Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Liz Manischel. And, and I'm Alric Brissell. <laughs> did, I did it. I did you the did intro. <laughs> Amazing. Um, this week we filmmaker Justin Warren on the show to talk about his film, Then There Was Joe. Hey everybody. How's it going? Hi, Justin. Hey Justin. So first off, uh, Liz, can you tell us how you met Justin in the first place? Yeah, so um, I think I've talked about it on Making Movies is Hard, but I manage a fellowship with Sundance called the Creative Distribution Fellowship, and we get awesome filmmakers who submit, um, and it breaks my heart every time I have to say no to an awesome filmmaker, Um, and Justin was one of those filmmakers. (laughs) 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 So a friendship born out of rejection, which is the the Hollywood way, so... That's funny. Um, so, what was the process like? Does for for applying to your your you know fellowship? Is it like a deck that he sends in, or like a bunch of papers and things? Or do you meet him in person first? Or like it's how a did... three prong process. <laughs> um, it's a, it's an application with lots of essays. And then the second round is screening the film, and the third round is getting like some muckety mucks at Sundance to watch it along with us. And um, that's really fun. Uh, but I'm like, I'm like, what can I say on this podcast that won't insult <laughs> my workplace? No. Um, yeah. So it is an extensive process, and um, we saw the application from Justin, and we just like fell in love with his energy and his verve for getting his film out into the world. And then, lo and behold, Justin and I just started talking via email and. We're on each other's newsletters, and I recommend his newsletters to people actually um, sign up on his website. And then, yeah, and then when, Ulrich, when you were saying you were looking for some new guests, I thought he could be a good a good fit. Yeah, here we are. Awesome. So, Justin, um, before we get started into talking about uh, Then There Was Joe and all that good stuff, can you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself, like um, you know, who you are, what your background is? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first, thanks for for having me on the show. Um, my uh, my the quick facts about me. Um, I'm Justin. I grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, I picked up my first camera when I was like eight years old or so. My my dad just had a camera lying around. He was like, "Do you want to play with this?" And I started playing with it. And I broke it numerous times, and he had it repaired numerous times. Um, and he just supported me. Uh, and sort of like was I. I kind of really credit my father with like sort of distilling a love for film in me. So um, that was most of my childhood. Um, I got my BA in theater at Hendricks College in Conway, Arkansas, which is like a super small liberal arts school of about like 1,500 people. And when I was there, I uh, I majored in uh, theater and did mostly performance and playwriting. And so I had always been making films uh, with my friends like on the weekends growing up, but I didn't really know how like theater performance and, and movies sort of overlapped. And so after college, I like was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And so I, so my plan was like, okay, I'm going to apply to USC film school. I'm going to get rejected. And then I can say that I tried and I can move on with my life. And I, uh, and so my plan was to, marry my college sweetheart and to move to Oklahoma city to like work at a gas company. Like that was my job. That was my, my plan. And, uh, before I knew it, like I, I applied to, to film school and I kind of applied with like, like this weird little comedy film that I made. And like, 
I most of my friends were like, there's no way you will ever get in to school like that <laughs> with a movie like that. And I was like, okay, well, it's cool. I'm, 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 I'm going for broke anyway. So I applied to school and, uh, we, my wife and I were like in the middle of planning our wedding. So I was, uh, at the time, like I, I was living in Arkansas and my wife was about to go to school in Oklahoma. And in the middle of planning our wedding, I found out I got into film school at USC and, and this is how I knew that I married the right woman. Cause she, she looked at me and she was like, babe, you have to go. There's no way that you can't go. And so, uh, I basically ended up, um, we got married and like less than six weeks later, I moved to LA by myself and my wife moved to Oklahoma to, to do her pharmacy degree. And, and I did school out here and she moved out in like 2013 and we've been out here ever since. So how, how long were you in school with her being away from you? Uh, we were gone. We were apart for about two, two and a half years or so. Uh, which was like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was intense, but it was like totally worth it. Crazy. Um, And was it a two year degree at USC or did you do four years? Uh, I did the MFA program. So it was like, it was a three year. Yeah. I'm going to talk numbers for a second. Do you do a 546, a 547? What'd you do? Uh, yeah. So I, I did 547 twice. (laughs) That's what I did. (laughs) And, and so like I edited a 547 and then I did sound on a 547. I did two 547s as well, but I directed the second time. You did? Yes. That's amazing. (laughs) Sorry. When you go to USC, this is how you talk. You just talk in numbers and it's ridiculous. Yeah, Can you tell absolutely. us what a 547 is for us non-USC people? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So a 547 <laughs> is basically their documentary uh, production program. And so uh, like it's a it's a class of a bunch of people and you produce three documentaries in that class. And uh, all the all the students crew up in different uh, positions. There's like two editors, there's cinematographer, uh, director, producers, things like that. And you all kind of split up into your crews and, and you're all kind of making three different documentaries in parallel, uh, which is pretty cool. And so at the end of the, of the semester, there's like, you know, 20 minute documentaries that are like, most of them are super good. Yeah. Say what you will about USC as a film school. I think a lot of people actually have a lot of complaints about it. Uh, the documentary program is unsung, like the unsung hero of the school. It's fabulous. It is phenomenal. Like the best, the best, uh, especially for, for independent filmmaking. I, I don't think you can get better training than that. Okay, nice. So really quickly, when you graduate USC, just cause you know, I didn't go to film fancy film school. I went to SF state and did, you know, t- radio and television. SF state's but, top 10 film school, isn't it? It's still fancy. Is it really? I, well, I did, but I didn't do the film program. Whatever. I did the television program, right. but <laughs> anyways, I'm just curious. Like what happened when you graduated? Did you do you imagine immediately get a job in film somewhere? Like what did you end up doing? <laughs> oh man. Okay. Uh, so basically it's, it, I, I felt like graduation was kind of just like, like somebody handed me a piece of paper and then I just jumped off of a cliff. That's kind of what <laughs> nice. it, it felt like to me, uh, to some degree. Uh, but it was, it was like, it was terrifying, but like I, I actually kind of ended up landing somewhere like right out of school. I was working as an assistant editor for uh, tremolo productions with, uh, Morgan Neville, oh, yeah. uh, who, who directed 20 feet from stardom. Yeah. That's a, that's and a great so movie. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I didn't work on that film. I wish I did, but oh, okay. um, but like I was working on uh, some Barbara Streisand stuff and like cutting some some films for Barbara Streisand's uh, album called Partners, which came out a few years ago. 
And, uh, and like ever since then, I've just been doing freelance, like assistant editing work whenever I can get it. And I've been like making, like jumping around, helping my, my friends make their films and they've been helping me make my films. So So Justin, you for, then there was Joe, can you just break down all the roles that you performed on the film? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I, I will. Uh, so, so I wrote it. I directed it, I produced it, I uh, co-edited it, I co-sound designed it, I co-mixed it, and I did catering at some point. And I'm pretty sure that I'm, I mean, and I'm going to distribute it too. So it's, You didn't say that you acted in it as well. Oh yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes, I acted in it. I co-starred in it with my, with my good friend Ray Grady, who's phenomenal in the movie, but um, and like, as I say all that, that sounds really gross. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> but Ray Grady wasn't your friend before you made the movie. No, 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 no. We met during the, the process and kind of just became brothers, uh, while that, Oh, that's awesome. Uh, throughout the whole process. Yeah. 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 That's but, really cool. Yeah. I did all those roles, not because I wanted to, it was basically just out of necessity to get it, to get it done. Nice. So. Right. The American dream. Indeed. <laughs> right. or, yes. the, or the filmmaker's <laughs> dream. <laughs> Right, right, right. right. <laughs> How did you connect with Ray then originally? Uh, so Ray was like literally the second person to walk into the casting room. So we we casted the film. Just literally, I put up a breakdown and like I asked some of my buddies from film school, like, "Hey, will you come in and read with these actors?" Like, I, I'm making this movie no matter what. And this was like before I had hardly any any of the resources to make it. <laughs> I just sort of was like, I I just decided I was going to make a film. And I was like, I'm not going to let anything get in my way. So I, I, I'd written a script and I, I was confident in it. And I was just like, I'm going to start casting this thing right now. And so I put up a breakdown and Ray Grady was the second person to walk into the casting room. And what was amazing is like, I felt like, you know, cause the, the film is loosely, loosely based on my life. And so, uh, Joe in, then there was Joe basically plays a, a fictional version of my brother and so I, I knew, I basically knew what I was looking for. I was looking for someone who reminded me like of the essence of my brother. And my brother is a very, very big, vibrant personality, uh, that is just extremely, um, charming and very magnetic. And, uh, you know, he uses those or he has used those, uh, gifts for, you know, uh, questionable means in the past. And that's kind of what the whole film is about. But, but Grady just immediately like had an energy that I immediately knew was, was right for the role. Um, and so like, uh, I basically ended up, you know, seeing, I don't know, a hundred, 150 other actors after that. And I kept comparing them all to Grady. And then at some point I was like, wait, no, I, I just have to, I have to pick somebody. And so the whole time I kept comparing everybody to Grady. So I picked Grady. So I just, I mean, you know, if you just do a Google search of Ray Grady, mm-hmm. like he's got a lot of presence online. I mean, he's got a heavy Instagram audience. Is this just, this is just some guy, like, did, were you aware of him? I guess when he came in, what, what point did he really galvanize an audience? Right, right. Yeah. So this was now about three years ago, like the, when we started casting the movie and uh, Grady had already had like uh, some early success. Like he was actually on, but but uh, to answer your question, no, I was not aware of him. Um, uh, it was like a spectacular find because uh, he had just done uh, a tour with like Martin Lawrence, 
And so he was starting to to get a lot of uh, like in in the stand up comedy world, like a lot of people know who he is, and he's he's very well known there. Um, but in terms of like audience galvanization, I feel like I got there right before, like right at the perfect time <laughs> uh, before like he started to kind of blow up. Um, and so like he was willing to to be in my film, which was like a, a major blessing. I feel like if we were casting, then there was Joe now. I probably would have missed him if that makes sense. So interesting. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Um, so what, how'd you like when you decide you're going to make this movie and that you were going to get it done? Mm -hmm. Like, did you have any money saved or set aside for it? Like, how did you plan to fund it in the, in, from the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I, at first I, I didn't really have a plan. I was just like, I'm going to make a movie. And that was the first, uh, that was the first like impetus. And I was like, I'm not going to let anybody stop me. And I, a lot of my friends had done Kickstarters throughout school to raise money for their thesis films and stuff like that. So I was always like interested in crowdfunding, but I wasn't sure if, if I had really the personality to do it. Cause you've got to be, cause I'm an extreme introvert and you've got to be on like all the time. <laughs> and, uh, so at some point, uh, kind of, around when I started uh, kind of flirting with casting is when I decided I was going to do uh, a Kickstarter. And so like I, I basically went back home to Arkansas and I, I literally made a Kickstarter video with my brother, which is kind of hilarious because uh, my brother has zero film experience whatsoever. And I just told him what to do. I was like, okay, I need for you to hold the camera, point it over here at me, when I move to this point, I need for you to turn the, the little ring on the side to keep me in focus. And we literally like made a Kickstarter video, uh, just kind of having fun. And uh, I, my Kickstarter goal was like, I was like, you know, uh, I, I'd put together kind of a preliminary budget for the movie as well. And I, I just kind of was like, I think I can make this movie for about thirty five thousand dollars. <laughs> And, uh, so I, I, I made $33,000 my goal because 33 is like a, my dad's lucky number. And so I made 33,000 bucks my goal. And, uh, as I was kind of like putting all that stuff together, uh, and this has been a recurring theme I've noticed throughout kind of my, my journey over the last three years is like, everybody was telling me that's a horrible idea. There's no way you can raise that amount of money on Kickstarter. Like when no one knows who you are. Uh, so don't do it. And I'm a, I'm a relatively like hard headed individual. Like if, when people tell me I can't do something like that, just like really gets me riled up. So I was like, okay, if you don't think I can do it, just watch me do it. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really grateful that, that it actually ended up working out. We ended up raising $35,000 on Kickstarter and it was just mainly, uh, like I feel like my my hometown really got behind me online, and like so I, f I feel like I owe like the success of it to my to basically the people that grew up knowing me that just wanted to see me make a film, and so I feel like we got kind of had a bit a bit of beginner's luck when it comes to it, but it worked out well, great. Let's take a pause for a second. So just like your story is kind of like an adorable Oshucks story right now. And <laughs> I, I'm curious, like what, what do you attribute all the success to? I mean, obviously fortune with Ray Grady um, mm -hmm. and clearly you have a lot of chutzpah, but is it, 
were, you know, were you class president? Can you make <laughs> friends really easily? Like, are you just like super popular? Like, what do you think did this? Um, I, I think that I have a, um, that's a great question. Um, I, I've always had like sort of a, I guess a kind of a, a skewed view of myself. Cause I, I grew up like relatively, uh, I grew up in like an all white public school or private school growing up. Um, and so I always felt like the outsider. I always felt like someone who, who never really found my, uh, found my group of people. And so like, I guess to some degree, I think I have kind of a chip on my shoulder in the sense of like, I, over the last like few years, I feel like I've finally sort of embraced who I am. And I think that comes across as relatively persuasive to people when I when I start telling them when I start sharing my dreams with people I notice like that's when things start to happen because I I was one of the first things I I did when Grady came into the room was I told him a story about about my brother and uh, we just immediately sort of uh, bonded over that and I basically shared how like I'm I'm just, I'm a little filmmaker who's going to buck the system. And like, I, I told him that I, I told him like, I wanted to make this movie on my own precisely because, uh, before I decided to make it on my own, like, uh, um, I was approached by a couple different producers who wanted to make the Nervous Joe, but they wanted to make, they wanted to, to make it with a white family in, uh, in like a more affluent neighborhood. And to me, I was like, but that, that's, inherently not what the story is about and so so yeah it's it's not about that and so like I I was sort of I was sort of using that as a rallying call of like hey you know uh Hollywood doesn't want to make it the way that I want to so we're gonna do this ourselves and it's gonna be awesome and we're gonna have fun doing it and so I think that like I, I was able just to like galvanize a lot of people around the idea of making something with a lot of purity and a lot of heart behind it. And most of the people that I ran into were really, really open and receptive of that. So I love that. And I think just as a general takeaway, I've heard that before from other artists and it, it has worked for me in the past. Just like when you announce your plans, mm -hmm. there's a magnetism that comes with that. Um, just saying things out loud and convincing <laughs> people that it's going to happen for somehow sure. um, gets the train going. Yeah, yeah. And I and I, I also learned the the skill that I think uh was like a big game changer for me because I'm I'm a very like I try to be a very high achiever, like my you know, I, I tried to make good grades all growing up and stuff and and but that doesn't really train you for like independent filmmaking in the sense that I had to learn that you had to jump without having all of the pieces that you need. You just need one piece. And as soon as you get that one piece, you can jump. And like, I knew that, like, basically I, I realized that the whole movie kind of fell into place when I got Grady and I had like a shooting date. And when those two things happened, it was like, we have our actor, we have our shooting date. Um, and, you know, I shot the film back home where I'm from, so I had access to all the locations. Um, I noticed when those two things happened and there was a date, then suddenly like the movie took on like this whole energy that sort of like swept me through it. And I was like, ah, oh, I, I created a monster. What have I done? Uh, but generally, I, I, I think definitely jumping before you have all of the pieces is completely necessary, or at least it was for me to get the movie done. 
as long as you're not going to die on the street, you know, Indeed. Yeah. poor you know, and destitute. But Ulrich, this is what you're going through. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think it's a little bit of a different situation because, um, well, because when you found Ray, you had your funds, right? You had your whole budget in place. Uh, by the time we made him an offer for the role. Yeah, we had oh, okay. all of our, our funding in place. Yeah, yeah. See, I, so I'm not in that place yet. Like, I don't have all the funding quite yet, but I'm also trying to raise quite a bit more than $35,000, which is really challenging. Um, but maybe I should be taking a lesson from my fellow filmmakers and just make it for less, um, which is one one plan that we have, you know. But but you're right, Liz. Yeah, things are starting to move a lot more now because I basically have just started shouting at people that I'm making this movie and sharing. I have a teaser trailer and I'm sharing it with everybody and like people are responding and getting back to me and like, you know, things are happening. So, yeah, I think you just have to start moving. And like I probably could have started moving earlier with this movie, but um, I think it's all has to do with me, but um, I think it's all has to do with timing and. I think honestly having the teaser trailer is a huge part of it. And then and if I knew how big, a, big of a help it's been, I probably would have done it a lot earlier and not like put it off. You know, did you do a ripomatic Ulrich or did you do like an actual teaser of, I, like I, original footage? I started to do a ripomatic and I hated it. I thought it was the worst thing ever. And just, this is like terrible. And so then um, I never finished my Ripomatic, and then I made an actual teaser trailer that we shot in September. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and it was a lot easier to do than I thought it was going to be, and it was like something I had been toying around with doing the year I went to the American film market, um, and I was like, nah, I don't, I don't have enough time. I'll just do it. I just won't do it. I'll just go without it. And then everyone said that I should have one when I got there. All the meetings I had, they're like, where's your teaser trailer? And I was like, I don't have one. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, then it was like a year later and my producer suggested it. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Fine. And, you know, I wasn't going to to AFM that year anyway. So I just did it. And yeah, now I have it. And so I don't know. It's uh, It's been helpful to like just share your vision and get people excited. Because when they see an actual bit of footage and it looks good and, you know, it's it's like what I want. the It's like the vision of the movie you know, for, for better or for worse, or like, or at least mostly, you know, in intact. And so I think that has really been helpful to, yeah. to, it, to it like share. suddenly becomes real to people. People are yeah. like, whoa, you're not joking about this. <laughs> <laughs> right. I definitely had some investors who were like, yeah, like let us know when, when it's actually happening. And I'm like, well, if you gave me your money, it would actually happen. Right, exactly. You know? <laughs> and then you show them the teaser trailer and they're like, oh, you are actually not giving up and not going away. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll get back to you. <laughs> well, um, and sometimes just like asking for exactly what you want is the case too. I mean, like in all my meetings with investors, I, I remember looking back, I had an investor who had, who had approached me for my second feature and I didn't believe her. Oh, wow. And it took me months to even realize that she was serious. And then at a certain point I was like, oh, would you be interested in investing? And she's like, yes, I've been trying to tell you this for months oh that's funny and i think it's this filmmaker low self-esteem thing that i always talk about which is like you just are you're not expecting to be supported and then when you are it's this fantastic shock yeah i'm pretty sure all the people i'm approaching to invest are very aware that (laughs) that that i that that's the idea um because i've told them and asked them many times and uh i just it's like a delicate game of being like 
checking in on them, but like not trying to be too like gimme, 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 and being like, hey, so we just want to update you on what's going on, and. You know, it's like the more reasons to update people, the better. And, and having a teaser trailer to share is like the best way to update somebody, you know. Uh, so I want to go on to this next question. Like, you know, after funding the movie and getting it all together, uh, do you feel like the amount that you put into the movie was worth it? Was like that the right budget? Like, should you have spent more money, less money? Like, how do you feel about where it ended up? That's a great question. I, I struggle with this question all the time. Um, if you'd asked me like a year ago, like if I felt like it was worth it, I would have been like, this was the worst mistake of my whole life. Um, <laughs> but if you, if you, if you fast forward to now, I, I, I feel like it's the best professional decision I've, I've made of my whole life so wow. far. Um, and like, what I mean by that is like, I, I feel like, you know, film school is one thing, but I, I feel like actually like making a feature on your own is like real film school. And I, and, and the great part is like, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm proud of the work that, that we did on this movie. Um, and like, and so in that regard, in, in terms of like what it's done in terms of career stuff, like it's gotten me a lot of meetings that I normally never would have ever would have gotten to have uh, because I did this film. Um, so like it's had a lot of professional benefits in in terms of that regard. Uh, but like in, in terms of the money, I, I feel like we spent it pretty well. Um, like I, you know, the, I'm happy with the money to production value ratio. Um, I, because I, I, I basically did what exactly what I wanted to do, which was to make a film on my own terms uh, the way that I wanted to make it, putting whoever I wanted to put into it. Um, and so like, for me, it was totally worth it because like, I now feel like I'm a hundred times the filmmaker I was when I made, when I made Then There Was Joe. Um, and so now I feel like way more, uh, ready to kind of like, uh, to make another film. And I know for a fact it'll be better cause I've just improved. Um, so I, I think it was totally worth it. Um, you know, ask me again in a year. And oh, right. It, it might change. But Do you feel like since making this movie that you have a better chance at raising money for your next movie because you have this already in the bag and done? Totally. And in, in fact, like I've, I've already had uh, a couple of people who have seen it that have just straight up said like, hey, I want to financially support your next film. Um, oh, and wow. That's, that's amazing. Um, yeah, man. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like at before... Uh, like I said, um, like in, in our Kickstarter, uh, it was great because like people were just uh, just supporting me because they they loved me because I, I just know a lot of people back home from where I'm from, and uh, like a lot of films don't get made in Arkansas, so like people were just supporting me because I was from Arkansas and they and they knew me. Um, but the great part now is, uh, oh sorry, sorry. And so when when I was uh, so after the Kickstarter. We so we raised thirty five thousand, but we needed like more money to finish the movie, and like approaching investors was incredibly hard uh, because like I don't think anybody thought that it was going to be anything. Oh, really? If that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I and and plus it's it's like very very difficult to show an investor like a rough cut of a movie because like most people don't know how to watch rough cuts. I I think right. most filmmakers yeah, don't even know no how to idea. watch rough cuts. You know, <laughs> absolutely. And so, like, you show this thing to somebody, and and you you're trying to promise them, no, 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 no. When we get the sound in, 
Oh, oh no, no, no. Well, we color grade it. Trust me, you know? And that's really, that's a tough ask for a lot of people. And so um, it was really, really hard to come up with the rest of the money to shoot the movie because I was, I was just, I felt like I, there was like a period where I was just begging everyone I knew for money to help me finish this movie. Um, and like, that's a whole nother story because I didn't really get the money that I needed. So I had to like really, really uh, improvise like dramatically to get the movie done. Um, but now, like I said, it's been like, because I made this, I do think it's going to be a lot easier. I mean, like fundraising, fundraising is always going to be super hard, but I do think it's a whole lot easier when you can be like, Hey, I've already made something, look at it. And then it's done. So when, um, before I made my first feature, and this is a conversation I have a lot with, uh, a lot of first time filmmakers, mm -hmm. there's this kind of phrase where we say, well, if we keep overhead low, then we're definitely going to recruit and <laughs> rah, 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 rah. Right. when you were fundraising, did you have that expectation? Were you just presuming you were going to recoup and that like all of this work was going to go to the end of you getting money back in your coffer or were you just fundraising to finish the film? I was just fundraising to finish the movie. Like I, I tried to be as like upfront as possible with people to be like, Hey, uh, there's you, you probably won't get this back. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just wanted to be as open as, as possible. I didn't want to try to mislead people into thinking like, you know, Oh, this movie is going to go gangbusters. Like, because uh, I didn't know. I, I had no idea what it was going to do. And so uh, I was just trying to be really honest with people like, hey, you know, like I I don't know if we're going to make money on this thing. But uh, don't you want to support somebody from Arkansas who's trying to make a movie? Uh, right. Um, and so, like, obviously that that was about you can probably expect the fundraising uh, results that I got from that. Not great. But uh, but I'm I that's kind of the only way I, I know how to do it. I don't I if I, if like whenever I, I start truly fundraising for my next film, um, I'm, I'm just going to be very, very, I'm going to crunch the numbers and be very, very honest with, with it. Not try to, not try to, uh, inflate my, my balloon, if you will. So. Well, and ultimately the final budget for then there was Joe, if you're willing to share, what, what was that? Uh, it was about from like about $70,000, 70, 75, something like yeah. that. Nice. Um, by the time we were done with everything. And then did you have to pay for some of that out of pocket uh, or were you able to, to raise all of that? I paid for some of it out of pocket. So like I, uh, it was, it was amazing. I, I kind of joke with my wife, like I was financially like in great shape before film school. I, I'd been working for a couple years, uh, for a church and was like, uh, basically I had zero bills. So I was just like stacking money and, uh, this movie took all of that money away. So, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah. That. And like, I, I was lucky enough to get like an investment from like a close uh, family friend who just wrote me a check to, to basically keep the whole movie afloat. When, so. um, when I tell people I put money in my movie, I don't say that I say, Oh, there was a, um, there's a mystery equity investor who put some seed funds in. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, right. Yes, I I had one of those as well. <laughs> well, let's can we can we talk about distribution because I'm such a nerd and it's my favorite topic. Yes. Um. Well, that's <laughs> that's like the main reason. I mean, you're such an inspiration, but the main reason I wanted to get you on this show was because I feel like distribution such a, of a, you're about to go live with your title. Um. Can you talk a little bit about? I mean, I guess just to give a little bit of context. 
when you make a movie, you always talk about fielding distribution offers. And even that phrase is is sheathed in mystery. Um, how did you receive offers? Where did they come from? How did they find you? What, what was what was that experience like? Yeah, so I, I, I found it to be a very like scattered, very strange, almost very isolating experience. So I uh, early like earlier during the film, I got a couple of like while we I mean, before the movie was even done, like I, I would get like an email or two from uh, some distribution company I'd never heard of that was immediately offering me like an all rights deal <laughs> of like we're gonna we want worldwide rights to your movie uh here just sign this this paperwork and I was like uh I'm good no I'm 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 all right uh so we got a couple of those uh but things started to get kind of serious around like uh when we started doing festival stuff because I I ended up meeting a uh, uh a sales agent at a party and he watched my film and and really dug it and so like he was just offering to to help me try to sell it and uh, I was, I've always been like very uh, like hesitant to sell it anyway. I know that sounds strange, but um, like, cause I, I knew no one was going to offer me what I think it's worth. Uh, and I was a hundred percent correct on that. So I basically got two, uh, I got two, like what I would consider like real offers uh, for the movie. Um, and like one of them was from, uh, from a, production company that like that uh that distributes movies that are two hundred thousand dollars and under oh that's very and, specific uh, I, I don't even i didn't yeah. know that that well we're gonna have to talk offline about them totally yeah um but yeah it's it, it was a they said they they distribute movies two hundred thousand dollars and under and uh it was it the deal kind of started off like like basically my my sales agent called me and was like hey we need to talk right now and i was like okay so I, I got on, I jumped on a call with him and he was like, Hey, we have a deal. We have two deals on the table. Uh, one of them is good for a week and the other one is good for t- uh, until tomorrow morning. Wow. And I Jeez. was like, Oh, that, that feels very, uh, that doesn't feel good to me. Um, and so like the, basically the, for the first deal, the one that was, that was good until tomorrow morning was like, uh, basically, uh, it was like a cash up front deal uh, for, for the North American rights. And so I would get to keep the rights for the rest of the world. But, um, basically they offered me, uh, like $7,500 for my movie. Um, and basically the, the, uh, what the, what the sales agent told me was like, from their perspective, it was an urban movie without any bankable talent. Oh my god, you use that term. I hate that term so much. An Sorry. Ur- urban and I movie? Just, and, yes. I know. I know. <laughs> this is this is their words, oh, wow. not mine. <laughs> it is an urban movie without bankable talent. Um and they said it's not quite a, a comedy, not quite a rom-com, it's more a dramedy. Um and so basically it was a flat deal for the film, 7500 bucks. I would get no back end split. Wow. And they would have uh my movie for for 12 years. Uh, and they said they would put it in, in uh, on DVD and Walmart and Target, VOD, Amazon, all that stuff. Um, and that was the deal. And it was like, you have until 9 a.m. tomorrow to accept it uh, or not. So they were not open to a negotiation, nothing. $7,500 flat for the movie for me to go walk away. And so that didn't, that made zero sense to me. So I, I said no to it. Um, 
And then there was another deal on the table uh, where basically, uh, and I think I, I mistold you this, Liz, when we talked earlier, but um, this this other distribution company offered me uh, a 50-50 split after they recoup their money, and they were going to cap it at 10000 bucks. So basically, I would get paid after they made ten thousand um, bucks, and they. Well, this is their they, marketing cap, right? The ten thousand dollars to market right, the title. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their marketing cap, and so then after that, they uh, they they projected that it might do about twenty five thousand dollars in sales, uh, which I don't I don't know where they're getting that number from. No idea. Oh, because they uh, got it from their butt, their buttholes. Right. From their butt. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is also North American only, or is this worldwide? Uh, this one was worldwide. Oh wow, jeez. Yeah, twenty five thousand for world. Although, but, no, but that's yeah, a lot of man, money. I'm actually crazy. saying that like it's an an imaginary number that is based in no reality. Right. But it's still a large number. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, but like those were those were basically the the two deals, and I had like a week to accept those. And the the way it was kind of presented to me was like, hey, your movie doesn't have anybody in it, which is a a, a thing I hate when people say. Um, but I know the business realities of not having like a huge name in your movie. I, I understand that now. Um, but like I knew for a fact that my movie was just worth more than that. And so I would rather, uh, you know, everyone around me was like, your movie's sinking, your movie's sinking, you need to sell it. And I'm maybe I, I have a weird personality, but I'm of the I'm of the personality. It's like if it's sinking, then I'm going down with the ship. Like that's <laughs> you're gonna be gonna playing do. the violin the whole time. I'm gonna play the violin, uh, and I might I might go down with the ship and then like be on top of a piece of wood, you know, saying I'll never let go, Jack. Like I, <laughs> that might be my my lot in life, and I'm fine with that. But I I was just determined. I mean, I made the movie with with nothing but love and passion. So it kind of makes zero sense for me to sell it to someone who has zero passion about right. about it. So, and then uh, what was your sales agent telling you at this time? Was were they like, "You got to take these deals. These are great oh, deals." Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It like, was, you're it never going like, to see anything better than this. <laughs> like that exactly. kind of stuff. Okay. Exactly. It was like, bro, you need to do this right now. What's wrong with you? And uh, you know, I get that. Like, whenever there's because there was actual money on the table, um, but like just in my mind, it just made zero sense. I mean, I would get my movie back when I'm, I'm 31 now. I'd get my movie back when I'm like 44. Yeah. That's what? what? Yeah. And I, that, but I mean, uh, a lot of I, uh, filmmakers don't get any money offered up front for their movies and they take those true. offers just to have the distribution. And so they can point to it being distributed and being out in true. the marketplace. And you're like, look, I'm a real filmmaker. Here's my movie. You know, right. Which I think right. does have some value. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I feel like that seems to be a, a pretty decent well, what thing. What excites to do, me maybe. about Justin, not because Justin, this is your question to answer, but I wanted to say um, what excites me about Justin is his unwavering faith in his content. I mean, part of me, Justin, when you told me this story yesterday, I was thinking like, oh, did you make a mistake? <laughs> right, like, right. I don't know. But it, uh, you didn't because you believe in your film so much that ultimately you're going to serve it best. Right. So even if you make nine, what is it, was six seventy four hundred dollars and you net that, that's every single sale that you made. That's the data that you own. That's the audience you have loyalty with Absolutely. rather than this like unnamed agency building those relationships instead of you. For sure. Yeah. And like, I, I think the thing that excites me a lot also is like a lot of my, my, uh, distribution heroes have like built their own platforms and they usually build their own platform with their first thing. 
And uh, I think that that's something that I, I think a lot of filmmakers sometimes overlook uh, because like, even though uh, you get your movie distributed, there's something like super powerful about like, cause one of the things I don't like about sort of just handing my, my movie off to someone is like someone else is going to sell my movie to someone else. And then that person is now in the way of me ever being able to contact that person ever again. And I won't be able to sell them my next movie because I won't know who they are. And that makes zero sense to me. And so I would much rather, uh, like quote, go down with the ship and, and sell and sell my movie on my own to my audience that I've, that I've already started building, um, and make, uh, deeper relationships with my audience that I can carry from movie to movie. Um, not just, uh, a one-off sale and then I don't ever get to contact that person again. Uh, because like there's, there's just two, there's an unbelievable amount of power being able to just say something directly to the people who have already told you that they want to hear from you. That's really incredible. I love that. So. I, I just want to bottle what you said and just like let it out constantly for people to hear. <laughs> well, um, this, this will be the podcast, back... you know, just tell them to go to this, <laughs> oh my God, I just... uh, you know, this mark in the podcast and then you can I just it. defied it's podcast. Yeah. You're right. I'm just an idiot. Um, I want to go back just briefly, even though I know we're on a groove, but I wanted to acknowledge that like, you know, yes, you got into festivals. Yes, you had your Ray Grady, but like distributors approached you and offered you deals without Sundance, without South by without Julia Roberts, you know, it's like, I want to acknowledge that that is the reality of today. And that filmmakers should know that they have way more options than they think they do. And they're not beholden to these deals that come to them. Like, how would you th- how do you think these people found you? Um, that's a great question. I think some people found me literally just by Googling, uh, Googling, like, what are the, you know, that, that might, might've had a, might be looking for new films with, uh, with a lot of black people in them. And they probably went to like, well, what, I wonder what the San Francisco black film festivals programming. And I think a lot of people found me that way. Um, and then I think there are some people that literally just scan IMDb looking for new movies that or are, a Kickstarter or a Kickstarter. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, just looking for new movies and like they track them. And so like what, what was interesting is that like I, there, there were a couple of, uh, like different producers reps that reached out to me and it's like, Hey, what's the status on? Then there was Joe. We'd love to, you know, help you out. And producers reps, that's a whole different story. Uh, that's a different thing. Um, but like, uh, I think most of it is like how they find you is, is very, very simple in the sense of like, you know, everybody's connected now. And a lot of, a lot of things that I've, what's been interesting throughout this journey is I've realized that a lot of the things I thought were inaccessible to me are 100% accessible to me, uh, in the sense of like, everyone is online. Everybody has an Instagram. Most people do. Most people are, you can reach people on Twitter and like, we have, we've like really, really gone through, uh, um, we've made a lot of opportunities happen just by getting bold and being like, I'm going to, I'm going to DM them on Instagram and see if I can get a response. And a lot of times you can, most, most people will respond to you if they think that you're not 
a crazy person. So, and and what are you what are you DMing them on on Twitter and about what is what are what is the ask just to watch your movie or check out your project or like what is it? Yeah, yeah, check out my film or like, hey, if you know anybody who has connections to, uh, you know, such and such, let me know. Uh, just like trying to hustle, trying to get my movie seen, you know, um, like previous, like in the past, I've thought that like, oh, you just can't like email an executive at HBO and you can, you totally can, yeah. you <laughs> absolutely can. And, uh, and, and also I was trying to find like, like at times I was like trying to find a manager and stuff like that. And, you know, that you can totally just reach out to people like they, they ignore you if they think that you're crazy or if they don't see a way they can help you immediately. But, and then um, what were some of the biggest film festivals that you played at? Like, what were your like top, top laurels that you had? Uh, yeah. So we, we pretty much like, we didn't get nearly as much festival play as, as I'd hoped. Uh, but we played at the San Francisco black film festival, the, uh, Chicago black harvest film festival. And we're playing next month at the Toronto black film festival. Awesome. Um, and like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like the, we really, we really, got three festival plays um and how like, many did you apply to if you're willing to share oh dude oh my god so many. do you have a spreadsheet of rejection like i do yeah i had a spreadsheet of rejection i would log in and i would change it from green to red and and by the time we had like our 20th or 30th rejection i was like this is stupid why am I doing this? It's <laughs> so heartbreaking. Did, it is heartbreaking. Like I, you know, if, if you, if, if I log into like my film freeway account or my without a box account, it's just like rejected, 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 rejected. Um, you know, but that's, that's pretty common. I've decided to make that my brand. Like I'm going to become, if this is presumptuous to say, but I want to become the patron saint of rejection. And I'm very interested in that idea. <laughs> I think that's dope. I think that's dope because you, you, I, I've definitely come to realize that rejection is very useful. And what I mean by that is like, I'd say like maybe two or three years ago, rejection used to like really bother me. It used to really, really, really get under my skin to the point where I was like, I can't, I can't handle this. And I would like, you know, if I got two or three rejection emails in a day, I would, I would like fold over. Oh, like, man. I can't, I yeah. can't do this. <laughs> um, rough. And now it's 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 almost hilarious. Like when I get them, I'm like, hey, and I just add them to a to a like a folder in my email inbox of like, hey, there's one. And uh, like like I've gotten so many of them now that they're kind of hilarious. And I I can't wait one day to like to stand up at the top of the mountain and be like, hey guys, it happens to everybody. It's all good. Yeah. Well, I was talking to a filmmaker uh, yesterday, um, Sarah Moshman. And she, um, you know, she didn't get into the certain festivals that I think we all reference that we kind of hope to get into these gateway festivals. Uh, but she got a Netflix deal on her second feature. Oh, and you look at these okay. scenarios and it's like, look, Justin, you got, you know, like you're building an audience and we'll get to it in a minute. But you have uh, a larger mailing list than most people have who have or are working with like A24, oh, wow. you know. So it's like we filmmakers want to be picked because we want to be curated and we want to be embraced by community. But ultimately we should be looking at success in a completely different way. I agree. I agree. Wow. That, that's cool. I like yeah. that. Um, well, so then what is your plan? Because I know you were on the momentum train to talk about building your own platform. And then I went backwards chronologically. Yeah. So I, uh, basically my goal, uh, 
I mean, is pretty is pretty simple. Like I I want to build a platform with with my film, and basically what that means, I you know those are kind of buzzwordy terms, build a platform. But like basically what that means, like the layman's term of that is like I want to build a giant email list of people that will consume my work for the rest of my life. That's my goal. And uh, like I, I ended up reading a book that I, I feel like kind of changed my whole way of looking at things a couple of years ago called Your First Thousand Copies. It's by this guy named Tim Grawl, and he is a, uh, a book publisher, or, or, or he, he launches... He manages book launches for, like, huge publishing companies. And what was interesting about it was he was talking about how uh, how basically when the pub- publishing industry kind of collapsed, they had to figure out, like, what are we going to do now to, to reach people and reach them in a reliable way? And they found that email was, like, the most reliable way by far <laughs> to reach someone, to get their attention, and to, most importantly, get them to take action. And so like email is very interesting in the sense that like it's it's a it's kind of a legacy technology. So it's not really sexy anymore. It used to be sexy at the dawn of the internet. But now the things that are sexier like Twitter, Instagram, mostly Instagram, things like that, Snapchat, that's sexy now. And it's sexy because like it's new, it's flashy, it's different, things like that. But when it comes to actual like engagement and most importantly getting people to take action, it's Conversion. not yeah, yeah conversion absolutely. exactly it's not great <laughs> not great at all because most people are there to scroll through and see what's going on they're hanging out there but whether we know it or not most of us are very very attuned to our email inboxes and like even if you don't read somebody's email you actually have to take action to delete it you know what i mean you have to like decide i don't want this thing anymore um which is like kind of powerful and uh and to me like email uh like i've already seen the benefits of emails like like for instance like with with the with my my email list uh for our premiere of then there was joe uh that we were trying to sell 315 tickets we sold out the entire show with one email wow that's right. It's amazing. That's awesome. Which was like amazing. Yeah. Cause I, I just emailed everybody the night before. I was like, Hey everybody, the tickets go on sale tomorrow. I really, really hope that you'll come out. And then the day of, I sent an email to my whole list and like basically the entire thing sold out by the next day, which was kind of amazing. And like that. Yeah. 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 And like, I have not had that success anywhere else than email. And uh, basically, whenever I want something to be seen, I email it to people. Uh, a lot of times I'll post something on, on Facebook or something, and like zero people will see it because Facebook's organic reach is nothing now. Um, same, and they're constantly ch- changing their algorithms and things like that. And it's almost impossible to really get your stuff to stand out or really to catch fire. And what I've noticed with email, like the, the great thing about email there's like a million benefits to email right so like email is decentralized like nobody owns email like it's something that like nobody it's a corporation doesn't own everybody's email uh you know when when you get into gmail and stuff that's a different story but generally uh, email is is decentralized um it has the highest level of engagement on the internet um and what what's most important about it is that it's permission-based 
So like you actually have to, like when someone gives you permission to send them stuff about what you're doing, that's very, very powerful because they've allowed you into their most intimate digital space, which is their inbox, you know? And, um, yeah. okay. So can, can we talk that, about mm-hmm. that a little bit? Just cause I, I don't, I don't have a mail list, mailing list. Um, I, I kind of do, but I don't really. And, um, but I'm curious, like, how do you start one? And like, do you just put like, join my mailing list on my website and wait to gain people tracking on there? Or can you add people that you already have like in your contacts list and, and add them to your mailing list and then just say, if you don't want to be a part of this mailing list, just, you know, here you can unsubscribe. But, or is that like a, a thing that you don't do? Like you can't just go into your contacts and like add all your email contacts that you have in your Gmail and like start a list that way. Is that like, uh, yeah. So not what you do. So, so basically what I decided to do, I mean, like, I, I guess everybody does it a different way, but I really tried to do it to where everyone volunteered to be on my list. And so I started my list, what, maybe two years ago or so, uh, a year and a half ago. And, uh, basically I, I put a sign up sheet on my, uh, a sign up form on my website and also I've, I've, cause I'm a nerd. I, I read about this, this stuff all the time, but basically like I put a pop-up on my website and even though pop-ups are really, really annoying, they're phenomenally effective. They're very effective. Uh, cause it just immediately gets your attention. And, um, like I, what I also try to do to kind of sweeten the deal is like to get people to volunteer, to be on your list. You usually offer something like a, like a free thing here, download my free ebook and boom, you're on, uh, and, and put in your email address and I'll send it to you. And a lot of time, you know, people like free stuff. So a lot of times if people are already kind of interested in you and then, Oh, I just give you my email address and then I get, I get something for free and then I can stop talking to you if I feel like it whenever I want to, that's pretty powerful. And so like, basically what I did was like, I, I did everything in my power to, so on on my on my email list right now, like I offer like a, a few behind the scenes videos of then there was Joe, and basically like if you sign up for my list, you get an automated email that comes to you that is like, hey, here's the teaser trailer for then there was Joe, and here's a couple of behind the scenes stuff, and it kind of gets people sort of you know in the headspace of like what the movie is, and and stuff like that. And what's amazing too uh, about email as well is like. Um, so I use like MailChimp and you can actually, I mean, you, you get access to all the data, which is amazing. So I can tell who's clicking on what, uh, what people click on, uh, analytics, analytics. It's, it's phenomenally powerful. And, uh, what's great about doing it through email is you're gathering basically kind of your own internal data that you can use you know, for your whole life. It's, uh, it's amazing. Well, I mean, MailChimp also gives you, I mean, if you're able to track zip codes in your pop-up, if you ask for zip codes, yeah. you can know geographically mm-hmm. where they are. So you can host screenings and there's the locations where you get the most engagement. But I just wanted to like promote Justin's newsletter quickly because it's very pithy, right? It's like short. It's like, these are three things that I like that you should just learn about this, this week. And I'm again, you know, Justin, tell me if I'm if I'm doing this wrong. No, no, it's but great. Like, it's great. <laughs> there's like two things that are not about then there was Joe, and then there might be one thing about then there was Joe. But it's like you don't waste people's times. You're very positive, which I think is incredibly important when you're communicating with a large group of people, and you're not you're not overly promotional. And so again, it goes back to being human, being authentic, and asking for exactly what you want. 
you're doing that in your newsletter. So I just, I recommend it. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Liz. You're, I, and, and I actually envy, I, uh, just for the record, I envy, I'm also on Liz's newsletter and I always envy your <laughs> newsletter when it comes out because it's hilarious. And, and I'm always like, and I, I, I feel like I know you through, through it, which it's is It's just great. about pregnancy. It's always about pregnancy <laughs> or like my partner who has a large head. It's something That's like funny. that. Uh, and how often do you send out your newsletter? Is it once a week, once a month? Like, what's the frequency? I try to do it every two weeks, uh, but I like really fell off the bandwagon this this past time, and I think I I went like a month and a half without sending something. But I try to I try to send stuff. Like sometimes I just like to take a break as well because I'm a person, and sometimes like for me it takes it takes a lot of like mental energy for me to uh, for me to write those and put those out. And so if I just feel like I need to take a break, I will. And I, I'm just going to trust that my audience is going to be okay with that. And so no one's tracking you. No one's like timing you exactly. and saying, well, they didn't send their newsletter out today. Exactly. Yeah. And like, and, and for some reason in our brains, we're always like, oh my God, people, people are probably just, you know, stopping their work day to be like, when, why hasn't Justin sent his email newsletter? <laughs> but yeah, no, zero people do that. And so like I, and sometimes like I'm a firm believer sometimes that you got to go away so you can come back sometimes. And, uh, because I, I think sometimes we all just get overwhelmed with lots of stuff. And I, I felt like I was super overwhelmed over the holidays. Like I felt like my inbox was like, you know, the, the apocalypse, I, the apocalypse <laughs> happened in my inbox. And so at the time I was feeling like that's probably happening for other people. I don't really have much to say right now. So I'm going to take a break here. Um, but yeah, I try to, I try to do it as like succinctly and as, uh, um, what's, I try to tailor it for how I would like to be communicated to. Cause I, I like things to be really snappy and quick. Um, so. I mean, I, I'm sure there's more to say about email, but I wanted to get to another question, which is before we got into email and it's just the, the idea of confidence and you know, what gives you the confidence that you feel you're going to make more than $7,500 with your film? Or what gives you the confidence? What has convinced you to self-distribute? More so than the data and the access, but financially, what what has inspired you? I would say the... I I had a pretty game-changing moment. Like, I I, I already felt like this was something I wanted to do because I wanted to... I, I think I have a very sort of like, hey, let's just jump off the cliff and see what happens kind of personality when it comes to this kind of stuff, because I like I I think I have a very high tolerance for risk and or at least risk when it makes sense. And so uh for me I think what, what ended up giving me the confidence was like there there was a moment where I was in where I was in our like our festival premiere screening and it was packed. And there was a woman who was laughing so hard that she spilled her popcorn. Oh, nice. And I had a moment where I was just looking around the room and watching how people were reacting to the movie. And they were reacting far better than I ever thought that they would. And I I was just like, oh, I, I have something here. I absolutely have something. And I also like I also still find the movie to be funny, even even as many times as I've seen it. I still uh, you know, the the laugh, the laughter is more like intellectual now because I've seen it a bunch. But I can I can look at something and basically because I've been doing comedy for a long time, like I know that that works. I know that that laugh works. And 
so I've known for a long time that I have, like, I'm very proud of, of the film and I'm, and I think it has a lot to say. And I just know that like all it's going to take is just for it to get to be seen by the right people. And I feel like it will, it will spread. I, I really truly do. Um, like I, so the confidence kind of comes just from there, from, from me trusting my own taste, which I think is, is it's taken me a long time to get to that point. Cause I think sometimes, uh, when you're trying to figure it out, like as a filmmaker, you're, you're very concerned what other people think. And now I'm mostly concerned with what I think about it. And I, I love my film. I think it's solid. I think it's a really fun experience and I'm determined that if I like it, there's at least going to be a million other people on the planet who feel the same way. And I may not be able to reach those million people, but I'm 100% confident that if I like it, there are going to be other people out there that like it. Also, I've there are so many like great examples of people who have kind of already done this or who have just bet on themselves and like they usually they usually succeed with flying colors like you know, uh, believe it or not, there was a time where nobody knew who Ava DuVernay was, and she started her own distribution company. Uh, at the time, it was called Affirm, and now it's called Array. Array! But, yeah, and she is, like, a genius. She's a, she's a genius when it comes to uh, promoting her own work. Well, and she's so, a former publicist. Let's yeah, just also give her a yeah, little bit of credit yeah, she's, yeah, she's got she's got a good foundation <laughs> to stand upon, for sure. Uh, you know, but she, she basically... I mean, she distributed her first uh, two micro-budget films on her own, which is amazing. Um, so what's your plan for the distribution? Like, are you going to just put it up on your website for people to buy? Or are you going to do iTunes and um, all that stuff, uh, uh, Amazon, and, you know, get it out in the world that way through an aggregator? Like, what, what, is, what are you thinking? So what I'm thinking of doing is... Uh, Basically, I'm going to distribute it slowly over the next year. So the first phase that I'm going to do is I'm going to launch it to my list and my my social media following, basically. And across like my social media following, uh, Grady's social media following, and uh, our Instagram following, it's about like 30,000 people that we like kind of have access to to some degree. And so like uh, I'm going to use my email list kind of as the as the main way to get the word out for stuff. And I'm going to just try to uh, get every single person who has clicked like or has followed Then There Was Joe to buy it in the the, the window of a month. And uh, so that's the first phase. And, and buy it through a digital download directly from your site or buy a Blu-ray that you'll send to them? Like, how, how are you trying to get it to people? Yeah, so I'm, I'm also, like... Uh, I'm a huge like uh, nerd when it comes to like what I, I mean. He's he's basically dead now. But Louis C.K. Louis C.K. like back in like 2011, uh, like distributed his own uh, his own work, and you know like he's obviously uh, a very shady person uh, personally. But when it comes to like his distribution prowess, he's kind of a genius. And, uh, so what he would do is just like email everybody. He, I mean, like at one point Louis CK could email about 300,000 people and say, Hey, uh, check out my, my shit. It's dope. <laughs> and he could just do that, which is amazing. So that's the ultimate goal. Right. Uh, I mean, not, you know, just to voice this, like, I mean, 
at that time he was very very popular and very famous you know and probably arguably one of the most famous comedians in the, the world at that time comedian. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i'm just saying like it's it's a it's a little different you know when you're doing it on on your own like you know yeah but but not really though uh, i don't see it different at all and the and the reason why is because like he had been working to build his audience for 30 years you know like i mean if I if I keep working at this for thirty years, I will get to the point where I can distribute my film to three hundred thousand people with a click of a button. Like I, I know for a fact I can do that. Like, um, and so you know, I'm 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 not saying it's going to be a crazy smashing success like that, but you know, it's it's uh right now like I I feel like I'm kind of like the Wright brothers. Mm. Like I'm just trying to get my plane up in the air for like six point five seconds, and if I can do that, um, I know for a fact that I can eventually build like an airliner that can can travel the world do you have certain goals for yourself within this first month of trying to reach this these 30,000 people like, I do oh I I, do. I'd love to hear these <laughs> yes I do uh so my first my first goal is to sell a thousand copies in the first month oh wait Justin we're um, supposed to say you can't do that that's crazy and uh, then you're supposed to raise the goal right <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Like uh, it, the second somebody says you can't do that, it's going up to two thousand copies. That's funny. <laughs> uh, which I think is like totally possible. I like, think I, th- thirty thousand people that you have access to and a thousand sales is not the most ridiculous like ratio right. I've ever heard. I think that's thank you seems thank reasonable. You. you know, yeah, yeah. And, and I, how much a, a sale? Five bucks? Four bucks? Three bucks? So it's it's up for sale. Uh, is we're gonna put it up for sale for like six bucks. Um, okay. However, like uh, where, where I think like the bulk of the revenue is gonna come is like we're gonna have like a a special edition with a like and a butt ton of of extras. Oh yeah, I can just tell from your YouTube page that you're already you know you're gonna have so many little videos and behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, like uh, which I know, love by the way. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it, it was a comedy and we had like a blast on set making the movie like it was crazy how much fun we were having and i feel like the amount like the extras are like kind of just as fun as the movie to some degree and so like i feel like for there there's like a good amount of people on my list who have seen it but uh like you would if you saw the movie and you liked it like seeing the extras is only gonna make make you love the movie more and then there's a lot of people uh, who have just been waiting for the digital release on my li- on my list as well. And so I'm just going to give them the option. I'm going to give them the option of like, you can just watch the movie, or you can watch the movie with the with the extras, and the extras will be like ten bucks, something like that. And so that's well, my, let me uh, suggest if you're doing a special edition, mm-hmm. is this a special edition digital or physical copy? Uh, digital. Okay. Are you doing physical sales? Uh, so I do have a bunch of DVDs, and we've sold actually about 500 DVDs. Just oh, you've already done the replication. Just because I know of a service mm-hmm. that I like to recommend mm-hmm. that does manufacturing on demand. Yeah. So it's like for the filmmakers who can't, you know, just order a thousand DVDs up front. Yeah. Um, Is that check out Allied Vaughn? Just throwing it out there for podcast. Oh, Allied Vaughn. Yeah. Cool. Yes, I've yeah. heard of them. So, are you planning to do more like Blu-ray or DVD or more physical stuff? Or are you focusing more just on the digital releases? I'm just focusing on the digital releases. Like we, I mean, we have a we have like a Shopify store, and the Shopify store will have the option to buy uh, the Blu-ray or the or the DVD, which you know some people really like. I still love physical media. I still buy Blu-rays because I'm a nerd. But um, but like other people that 
that option will be there, um, but that's not what I'm going to push the most. I'm mostly going to push the, uh, the, the digital, the digital. Download. Right. It's also like, it's a much bigger return for you, right? Like, you know, sell, selling a, di- a download versus um, sure. a physical copy. I mean, you make so much more definitely back on that. Definitely. It's like, it's, it's great. And the, and, um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic. So you're so you're not even going to any of the the distribution platforms that exist for for anything. You're just doing it all completely on your own through your website. You know, direct to you. You take all the the um the the, the profits basically, and you don't have to worry about any third party. Basically, yeah, because like that's I'm, awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's I it's kind of insane. I think for for some, I don't think it would work for all movies, but like. Um, I think for, for my film in particular, like it's, you know, I, I think it's a great way to build a relationship with me as a filmmaker because like I'm also in the film as well. And so I, it, I want to sell it to people who are more, uh, interested in like, uh, you know, sort of discovering a movie that they might not have seen. Um, because like, that's, that's my personality and I kind of want to attract other people that, that think like me and kind of, uh, are kind of go with the flow the way that I do. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, that's, that's basically going to be the first phase. And then like, I'm just going to slowly promote it over the next year. And like, if, if the, if the streaming it from my website is like a spectacular fail and no one wants to do something with that, nobody wants to, to watch the movie that way, then I'll look at other options. But the cool part about distributing a movie on your own is I feel like, you know, most, most distributors, like if they, They'll throw your movie up, and if it looks like it's not going to make any money, they yank it down, or they they pull all the marketing from it. Um, so for me, what I want to do is like, if it if it fails spectacularly, and I know that there will be failure. That's there's no way that there won't be. Um, the cool part is like from my micro budget movie making skills, I've learned how to bounce back pretty quickly and learn how to course correct pretty quickly, and so I feel like. Uh, no matter what happens, I'm going to take every single piece of data that I learn from it, I, that I, that I get, and I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to keep trying, um, which I think most distributors don't do. Well, and you will be able to survey, uh, the customers directly. And so it's like, mm-hmm. if you're able to find a cross section of really passionate viewers that all have something in common, then you go and you do, you know, a Facebook ad targeting that audience totally. specifically, um, and then, yeah, obviously most distributors would just give up on a marketing campaign if it failed. But then you, I love that you can just pivot and try different audiences and see who are, like, do you know who responds most to your film right now? Um, it's mostly been black millennials, which is kind of a, kind of a broad, a broad niche. Uh, but like I've, I've, uh, I've done little like basically test Facebook ads where I've just taken the trailer mm-hmm. and just thrown some money behind a Facebook ad uh, and I've been testing audiences and like what's amazing is like I've uh, you really do you can it feels like you can hit gold a little bit and and suddenly when you're when your ad starts getting shared a lot and gets comments on it and lots of reactions you know that you've probably stumbled upon like your people and uh, that's happened that's happened multiple times with like different audience segments that I've been uh, testing out and so like I'm really excited to uh, eventually start exploring that like I said my the first my, my first phase is I'm just going to sell it to the people who who like then there was Joe or or my email list and then I'm going to start slowly over the next year uh, 
experimenting with total strangers and saying like, can I get a total stranger to, uh, how can I like basically through a series of very highly constructed steps, get them to go from a stranger to a customer. So I'm looking forward to that as well. So you're basically looking at like what, like a one to two year plan of distributing this movie on your own. Yeah. Um, and, and are you planning on creating anything during this time as a filmmaker? Or are you just going to dedicate yourself to being, you know, the complete advocate for this? Th- then there was Joe. No, I'm, t- I'm totally going to be making stuff. Like I'm, I'm already working on my next film right now. I'm trying to get that off the ground. Oh, cool. Um, so it, as a feature or a short, uh, as a feature, as a feature. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah. And so and then, then you'll just feed it into the same system, right? So like exactly. when you make the next one, you'll also just be like, here's my next movie. Absolutely. And then start selling that one and then you'll do the next one. And then all of a sudden you'll have like, you know, six movies that you'll have available for people to, to buy. And then, you know, you'll be a, a little bit of a, I don't know, a kingpin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that, that's, that's the plan. Cause, cause the great part nice. that, that I love as well about like, an email list is like, no one can take that away from you. Right. And you know, like I, we've got a, we've got a huge following on, on Facebook, but I've noticed that like the organic reach has, has fallen to nothing. So it's like, I don't really own that connection with my audience, you know? And, uh, an email is amazing in the sense of like, n- like if I decide to like change from MailChimp to constant contact, I can literally just download all of the emails that I've, uh, that I've gathered and just move it to a new place. Um, and like, you know, it was really funny. I found my, I found my old MySpace account cause I'm, I'm also a musician and I, and growing up before I, before I decided to pr- pursue film, I was, I was in hot pursuit to be a musician. And I, fa- I stumbled across my old MySpace page and it had like, uh, I, I don't know. It was like under a hundred followers or something like that. But I thought I was like, how could I ever reach those people now? I I can never reach them now. And those are people that expressed interest in my work. And, you know, because MySpace is dead, that connection is dead. But I mean, from if, if data is, is any way to sort of make decisions like people generally. And I think also when, when you get older, like people switch email addresses less (laughs) is, you know, if everybody's emailing you, it's difficult to be like, Hey, don't email me anymore. Email me over here. Uh, and so, like, that's, I mean, people, I mean, I've had the same email address for 15 years, you know. So. Nice. Uh, Liz, do you have any final questions? No, I have to go to a Lego 2 dinner. <laughs> oh, Lego 2. Oh, that's right. Awesome. That sounds that like sounds a lot of fun. amazing. Look for Lego 2. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, thanks so much, uh, Justin, for being on the show. It's been fantastic. Hey, thank, you. thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so man. So excited. Yeah. It's inspiring, you know, to see someone just take their own, um, you know, just uh, life and and their whole everything that you like put on the line and like trying to get into a film festival, trying to get into a distributor, like your your whole career basically. And you're just saying, I'm going to do it myself. I'm not waiting for anyone else to give me permission and to, you know, let me do what I want to do. I'm just going to do it. And I think that's something that it's all filmmakers. Yeah, that's what we should be doing. We should be taking well, thank you guys. Um, ownership and control of our own destinies, you know, and it's, so to speak. So, yeah, man, it's awesome. Oh, appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on here. It's been yeah. a blast. So, where can people find you? Uh, where's your website, Instagram, all that stuff? Yeah, uh, you know what? Just go to thentherewasjoe dot com. Just go there. Um, if you're interested in following me along this journey, please sign up for my email list. 
um, and on Instagram, um, I am at Warren M. Justin, which is probably hard to remember. So just go to thenthereswasjoe.com. Just, just nice. do that. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, and thanks to Justin for being on the show. You can check, check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode. If you want to get in contact with us, you can send an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at podcast. I'm Ulrich B. on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and Liz is at Liz Manichel on Twitter, but you can just email her, email her uh, at liz.manichel at gmail.com. And if you like the show, please tell a friend, help us get the word out. You can leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher, or if you go to our website, I believe you can sign up for our newsletter where you'll get this show uh, in your inbox Sweet. every Monday morning which is pretty awesome. I think we got like 25 people on there. So that's great. <laughs> but it's just but us Justin, right now. Thanks She's again. like, I can't handle y'all. And <laughs> yeah, Liz left. Um, <laughs> Cause she literally had to leave at this moment. Oh man. Um, and yeah, talk to you guys next week.